Yeah, yeah. Tolkien gives us a, a picture. You know, he, he's painting a picture. It's a story, but it's a picture of, of something that we we desperately want and, and that we long for. And I think both short-term and long-term, how many people are worried about getting through the holiday season? I just, you know, just, just the, the, the season itself and thinking, oh, I have to go sit down to another family meal with my crazy uncle who's going to say weird things, you know? And that seems daunting, you know, to have to try to navigate. Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue, and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. Are you having a restful Christmas holiday season? As you think about that, and before you scream back into your device at me, I would like to say that I know that usually you don't find the words rest and Christmas or holidays in the same sentence. Believe it or not, God's view of rest is very different from our culture's view of rest. And we have Eric Anderson here this morning who is going to give us a really clear picture of a very different view of rest. God knows the rest that we need and We are beginning this three-week series this morning talking about what God has laid out for us in Scripture to be our perfect rest. This podcast is intended to give busy parents a new view of the hectic holiday seasons and the busy times throughout the year so you can have that rest and peace that you did not know was possible. So let's hop in now this first week where Eric and I discuss what God intended for us regarding rest. The Christmas season is generally anything but restful. We're going to talk about God's view of rest. And with me today, I have Eric Anderson, and so pleased that he is here. He is a pastor. He is one of my pastors, and I am very grateful because I get to hear him regularly, and I thought that he would do a wonderful job talking to us about rest during the holiday season. Welcome, Eric. So glad you're here. Eric, tell us a little bit, if you would, about your family. Do you have children and and just a little bit about your background? Yeah, thanks. So I'm married, wonderful wife named Karis. We have four kids. So we're in the thick of it. They are 10, 8, 6, and 4. Three boys and a girl full of life. I can understand and resonate with many of your listeners in terms of just the, the busyness and the hubbub of, of life with kids, especially heading into the Christmas season. Yes, you can. Yes. Four <laughs> wonderful kids, I might add. I know them. Oh, thank you. So glad you're here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's our pleasure. So let's just hop right in. Rest is a very lucrative business in our society. Would you agree with that? Yeah. We don't always think of it that way or realize that's what we're selling. But from a biblical viewpoint, we realize that's the longing, that's the nerve that they're able to hit in advertisements. And so you see it, especially in the holiday season, the stuff that they're trying to sell often is it's trying to to meet a longing of our hearts for God's rest, but through stuff. So you open your email and you get an email from Costco and maybe there's beautiful patio sets as one part of the advertisement and sparkling televisions and plush bathrobes. And all of those are 
hey, you can have rest in your outdoor barbecue with your friends, or your heart can be at rest when you're sitting and watching football in amazing 4K, or you can feel at rest in your big bathrobe. But all of it is, is trying to, like I said, touch that nerve of, of that longing that's wired into us. Mm, that's just a good light shining on our society, that our society is looking for something very different from what God has intended for us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, Eric, where did the concept of rest in biblical terms originate? Yeah. I mean, this goes all the way back to the beginning, to creation in Genesis 1 and 2, that humans are wired for, we are made for rest. And so we have these, these longings just built into us, which is why the advertisements sell. It's why movies and television can capture that longing because we're made for it. We all want it. So going all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2, as those made in God's image, we are made to be like him. And what do we find in the first two chapters? Well, God works in creation, and then on the seventh day, he rests. Mm -hmm. And as those who are called to be his image bearers, you know, we too can find in us a, a wiring for that similar rhythm of work and rest and work and rest. Yeah, let's talk about work and rest a little bit. That's really interesting. We are very weary now. So I don't think we're resting right. And what about work? Are we not working right too? Or, or what was God's original design for work and rest? Yeah. You continue the biblical storyline, both work and rest are affected by the fall and they, they are tainted, you could say, by the fall. But in trying to get back behind the curtain a little bit and thinking about us, but how were we made? What were we made for? And again, as image bearers, we, we recognize that there's something in us that is made to be like God. And we look at what God does. He works. And then on the seventh day, he rests. And there's this built-in rhythm. Now we think about God and we think, does God need rest? <laughs> you know, does the omnipotent, almighty God, all-powerful God, you know, does that God need rest? Well, no, no, he doesn't need rest. He is not wearied. And yet he rested and said, whoa, what, what's happening there? Well, what is he doing? Well, chapter two, verses one and three, when God rests, there's a sense in which he is modeling and demonstrating a rhythm that we are wired for and built for to rest. And so God rests on the seventh day again, not because he needs it, but there's something good there that he's drawing our attention to. God has built into creation a, a pattern for us that is for our good in which we can find fulfillment both in our work and rest by following his model and his lead because this is what we were made for. Yeah, that's really good. And when you say pattern, I really like that because that implies that we need to be following a pattern, but don't we sometimes either overwork or sometimes we overrest? So, you know, I think there's a balance that God probably gave us. What do you think? Yeah, I don't I don't know if I would say overrest as as if we could get too much of of the good that God intended. But certainly those rhythms can get out of whack. And I think both, again, can be tainted uh, by sin, where there's an effect now where we get less than what we were meant for. And in terms of overwork, I think we, we certainly can turn work into something that was not meant to be. And one of the ways we can do is pursuing too much, not following the rhythm that God has built into creation and, and woven into the fabric of creation, if you want to use that metaphor. I guess when I was thinking over rest, I was thinking of people who don't want to work and they want mm, to just rest. Mm, sure, sure. <laughs> and in, in my mind, in that they're not actually resting. 
And so, yeah, you can read the Proverbs and there's the sluggard and the lazy man and the, and the fool who lies around and he can't even bother himself to pull his hand out of the food ditch because he's, he's so lazy. And I think maybe they are driven, we can be driven to slothful, lazy habits. But again, getting back to, to maybe we, if we want to do a deeper dive into Genesis, some of what we were made for, what rest is meant for, is to find our rest in God. It's not just a break from work. It's not just stopping. It's not just lazing about on the couch, but there's an active participation in something that we were made for. There's, there's a, an active side of rest that is drawing on the source of life. Rest is supposed to be life-giving, not just stopping output, but actually turning on an input. There, there should be uh, something that's taking place there that is restoring our souls and filling our souls. Yes, that's a big difference from what we often think of as rest. Like you described earlier, sitting in front of the TV, watching a game or watching whatever TV drama we're watching, we think of that as rest, but that's not true rest. Interesting. So in the Old Testament, as you described, God gave us Sabbath. And Sabbath is not a big popular term in our culture these days. In fact, many churches don't even refer to it at all. But what is your perspective on Sabbath and what do you think God intended for it? Yeah, that, that's, that's a great question. I think, you know, we look at some evangelical churches and there uh, is a correct impulse to say, hey, we, we're not bound by the law anymore. That, that we, we are living in Christ. Christ fulfills all the demands of the law. We don't have to necessarily follow every jot and tittle of the Old Testament law because it's been done for us in Christ. We can't earn our salvation. I think all of those impulses are correct. But sometimes those impulses can lead us to miss, again, patterns or gifts that God has given us that can be life-giving. And we can miss out when we ignore things that we're so afraid of law that we miss out on. But actually, God has a design here that that's for us and for our soul. And so Sabbath, the word Sabbath that, that comes to us, it's from the Hebrew Shabbat, which just means it's Hebrew for rest. In Genesis 1 and 2, God rested, and we get the verb of that word, the verb form. When you get to the Ten Commandments, that's finally when you, you see observe the Sabbath, and it's turned into a noun. And again, it's, it's observing, we could say, observe God's rest and follow suit. Remember it, commemorate it, you know, by your, by your own resting. And so in the Old Testament, the Sabbath was the seventh day. It was the, you know, work for six, rest on the Sabbath, follow God's pattern, follow what God did, and, and then li live it out yourself. And in it, you will find life. Within the Old Testament, you had Jews who, who created and built up laws upon laws upon laws about how to best follow the commands. You know, there was this desire to tightly follow all of the rules, but back behind the rules was this this intention for us to find our rest in God. And so before you get the command in Exodus, you get the design in chapter one, this thing that was made for us. Eric, that is so good. And here we are preparing for Christmas right in the middle of the holidays when rest is anything but restful for most people. And especially I'm thinking about parents out there with kids and, you know, all the things that they're, they're doing. And I would just like to talk a little bit more about the the Sabbath and what is our 
purpose of rest in God? And can that tie into the holidays? Can it tie into Christmas? Yeah, well, I would say the last thing we need in the season is more rules, more stuff to do, more things that we have to worry about, more burdens to keep on. You know, you think about just the craziness of of the shopping and the kids' performances and the parties and, and all of that kind of stuff. There's There's plenty to do and we don't need more burdens heaped on us. But we can look behind, you could say, the rules, but what does God want for us? And I think it's what we so desperately want in this season, which is to find rest. And so, again, getting back to God's design of rhythm, work and rest and work and rest, there's something in there, something that we were made for that we need. And ultimately, there's a sense in which what we need is God. The Sabbath was meant for man but it's meant for man to connect to God, our source of life. And all of the rules, all that kind of stuff was trying to safeguard this connection of humanity meeting once again with their creator, beholding their creator. So I think in, in the context of this season, I would hate to say, hey, let me add to your to-do list. Let, you know, Not only do you need to shop for all of these people, not only do you need to make sure you do the crafts and you do the cooking, you do that. Now let me also add three more things that you can feel guilty for not quite getting to in this season. Instead, I would just say, let's just stop for a second and examine. We're made for this connection. We are made to meet with our creator. And how can we carve out time or reframe some of our time so that we can tap back into the source of life that we so desperately need? And I think that is the need, the desperate need in this season is to find rest for our weary souls in him. That's really good. And where better than to look forward to God coming to earth. Jesus mm-hmm. came to earth to touch us. And that's such a good opportunity to look toward him. We, we think of the famous Christmas hymn, Oh, Holy Night. And you have that lyric in there, you know, a uh, thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And I think so many of us are, are weary and we're desperately looking for the light to break into the darkness, <laughs> the coming of Christ, you know, to come and, and to meet with us again. And I think that's ultimately what the season is meant to point us to. Hey, not, not stuff. But the ultimate gift, which is God himself, you know, come to us in Christ. So in some ways, God might be there knocking. We just have to be more available, read in our minds and hearts, just available to hear his knock and open to him and converse with him and Mm -hmm. feel that peace that he is bringing. He will bring that peace. Yeah. Okay. So I have heard you talk about rest before, and that's why I really wanted you to come on and talk about rest now. And you just capture everything so well, so biblical, so the heart of God. And I appreciate that. And in the midst of it, you have told a story from the Lord of the Rings that had such an impact when I heard it, it did. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And I love Tolkien. I love Lord of the Rings. I have to be honest on this one. I picked up this insight from someone else. This was not original to me. Exactly. I wasn't the first to notice it, but I also sadly can't remember where I heard it or where I saw it. But in book one, in Fellowship of the Ring, it's the first book of, of the trilogy after The Hobbit. There is just this amazing description of rest that takes place in the house of Elrond. He's kind of the, the head elf for those who are unfamiliar with the story. But those who are familiar, you, you might remember the hobbits along with their guide. His name is Strider at the time. They've made this, this terribly dangerous journey from the Shire to this, this lodge and then to Weathertop where they encounter these, you know, evil characters were there and Frodo gets stabbed and, and they barely escape. 
And then they make their way to, to Rivendell, which is this peaceful land of the elves, the house of Elrond. And he's the most powerful elf. They find protection there. And when they get there, they know, okay, they're going to meet up with others. And what's ahead of them is an even more dangerous journey. You know, they've come just a part of the way and it was bad, but there's a journey ahead that's even worse, you know, probably fatal ahead of them. But in the meantime, while they're in this house, they experience rest. And let me just read, read you the quote because it's so good. Yeah, this is what Tolkien writes. She says, for a while, the hobbits continued to talk and think of the past journey and of the perils that lay ahead. But such was the virtue of the land of Rivendell that soon all fear and anxiety was lifted from their minds. The future, good or ill, was not forgotten, but ceased to have power over the present. Health and hope grew strong in them, and they were content with each day as it came, taking pleasure in every meal and in every word and song. And I just love that description of rest, that there's a sense that they've come through this journey, there's even more that lays ahead, and yet they have this moment to rest, to, to be filled and to, to have peace. I mean, he's, he's got that line, the future, good or ill, it wasn't forgotten, but it no longer had power of the present. And I think, man, how many of us let our future you know, have power over the present? We're wearied from the past, from what we've already been through. We're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I made it through that. And then we look ahead and it's just this crushing burden, anxiety, fear, worry of what might be ahead. And, and to think that there can be a moment where the, the future no longer has power over the present, that we can just be for a second and be filled and, and take pleasure in every meal and every word and song, you know, it's, it's such a, a powerful description of, I think what we long for, to be able to turn to God and, and rest in a way that, that the future no longer has that power over us. That is so good. And I'm thinking about parents out there who are worried what five years is going to bring in their children or what health situations they're going to bring or just a variety of things that they are thinking that they are really unsettled in their heart about regarding the future financial maybe maybe mm -hmm. their relationships and so what you're saying well what tolkien said here but we're actually applying biblical principles to it is that we don't want that future to get in the way of our rest and our connection with God. That connection with God is what will give us peace and the answer to those overwhelming frustrations. Yeah. Yeah. Tolkien gives us a, a picture, you know, he, he's painting a picture. It's a story, but it's a picture of, of something that we, we desperately want and, and that we long for. And I think both short-term and long-term, how many people are worried about getting through the holiday season, <laughs> you know, just, just, the, the, the season itself and thinking, oh, I have to go sit down to another family meal with my crazy uncle who's going to say weird things, you know, and that seems daunting, you know, to have to try to navigate, navigate sibling stuff, navigate, you know, in-laws, navigate, you know, all the different expectations that are heaped on us. And to say, even in that season with that coming, that you could pause, have a moment where that doesn't have power over your present, that you just get to be, I think. Again, that happens in God's presence. No, there is no Rivendell, but there is the God in whom right. we can find this rest. That's right. I love that. I love that story. And I just love talking about rest. Did you know mm -hmm. that I end every single podcast with remember to rest in the Lord this week? Mm -hmm. Every single podcast, because rest has been, I don't know, it's just maybe it's because it's been elusive sometimes in my life. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, for listeners, maybe you feel like rest is elusive, but there is an answer. And I just love the way you're laying it out. 
Eric, this is so good. So that concludes part one of Rest During the Holidays. Be sure to come back for next week where we will be talking about why can't we seem to find the rest that we're looking for. So I want to end this podcast the way I do every single week, and that is remember to rest in the Lord this week. Mm -hmm.